striving for excellence. Suppose we take a drive around the country. As we go along, we see a man. And I'm reading this from an article that appeared in the Canadian Countryman magazine in 1924. It was written by a Wellington County farmer, and it was simply signed Farmer John. Suppose we take a drive around the country. As we go along, we see a man plowing in the distance. We can tell by the way the team is walking, also from the manner in which the man walks, that he is doing good work. When we get there and see his work, it is well done, just as we had expected. Not only that, but it readily observed, but it is readily observed that he is taking considerable pleasure in doing it. For the man who really knows how, there is more pleasure in plowing than any job on top of the earth. The man who can plow must have a head on him, and there must be something in that head. But let us start our journey again. After some time, we see, away ahead of us, a man doing something with a plow. We can tell by the way he and his team are walking that he is making a poor job. So when we stop to see his work, it is just what we expected to find. It is no good. Moreover, this man is getting no pleasure at all out of his work. In the first place, his horses look as if there were no curry comb or brush around the place. Judging the man by his work, you say to yourself that he has no head on him, or else it is hollow. This man is turning over twice as much land as the other man we saw, but the first man is doing more than double for his boss than this man is doing for his. Now, I would think we'd probably all agree that with John here that the first man was doing a more excellent job of plowing than the second. And I appreciate good quality products, and I appreciate when someone does an excellent job for me, and I enjoy doing excellent things as much as I can. But the author was, in my opinion, a little quick to judge the two men. He judged the contents of their heads simply by their appearance, their horse's appearance, and their method of plowing. Can we be sure that the first man was a more excellent man than the second? Even though good works is a mark of a true Christian, his genuineness cannot be determined simply by his performance. Talents differ. Circumstances vary. We don't know what the circumstances were of that man that was doing a poor job. In this topic, I'd like to zero in on excellence, primarily to decipher what aspects of excellence are good and what aspects are not so good. Point number one, excellence defined. The word excellent means extremely good, preeminent. The word excel means be superior to, be preeminent, or be the most outstanding. 
The word preeminent means excelling others, outstanding. Do you see any red flags? Superior to, excelling others, and so forth. Point number two, God's name alone is excellent. Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God loves perfection and order because he is perfect. Psalm 148.13, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Let's not lose sight of that reality because it proclaims who God is. For his name alone is excellent. He is the very essence of excellence. And really, nothing else and no one else can be excellent. Because man before God is nothing, we are all just sinners saved by grace. Point number three, the plowing of the wicked is sin. So we're back to plowing here. Proverbs 21, verse 2 to 4. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And high look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, of course, plowing in itself isn't a wicked thing. But when a wicked person plows, their heart is proud. They're plowing for selfish reasons. They plan to use the increase of their fields to serve their lusts. And we don't have time to clarify that because it is possible to do good things with the results as well. But uh, the, motor, the motives and the desires of their heart are evil. Therefore, their plowing is sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Scriptures also say, The Lord pondereth the hearts. The Lord knew the hearts of those two men in Wellington County, those two farmers. He knows our hearts. The opposite ditch from the proud man plowing is the man who doesn't try at all. And in the parable of the talents, we have an example of that in Matthew. We have the servant who was given one talent and he hid that one talent, hid the only talent he received until the Lord came back. What do you think frustrated the Lord about the servant when he came back and found the talent hidden? Was it the lack of increase? Probably, that was part of it. But most of all, I think it was because of the servant's lack of effort. He didn't even try. He didn't even do anything except bury the talent. One of my trade school teachers was a slender, interesting Irishman. His tests were always 10 questions, multiple choice. At first glance, they looked easy, but they weren't necessarily. And after one such test, as I recall this, it's been a number of years, 
A number of the students protested one of the answers that he had marked wrong on some of the, our tests. The, the teacher uh, made an effort to explain to us, to these men that were protesting what was wrong with the answer they chose. But eventually it turned into a big argument with students on both sides and got out of control. Finally he raised his hand and he said, gentlemen, gentlemen. And he quieted everyone down. He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Those of you who had that question wrong may mark it right and I'll give you full marks for it. They were happy. If they got 90 and had that one question wrong, now they had 100%. But he went on to say, those of you that had that question right, I'll give you two marks for it. So those of us, or some of us, that got 100% went home with a test that said 110% on it. And he had a principle there I've never forgot, and this is what I'm driving at, is that he went on and to say, listen, he said, there's two ways to try and excel in life. He said, the one way is to try to pull other people down to make you look better. He said, the other way is to simply make yourself better. Point number four, an excellent spirit. Daniel 6.3 says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Why did Daniel have an excellent spirit? It's because he gave his all to the Lord. Luke 10, 27, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. The key is there. God requires our all. Colossians 3, 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men. The Christian serves God heartily with all his heart. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. The motivation behind the Christian's every action is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 14.12, seek that ye may excel, there we have that word, excel, to the edifying of the church. We don't strive to excel above others. We excel to edify others. Life isn't a competition, it's a cooperation. And it's for the salvation of us and others and ultimately to glorify God, not man. In the recent Olympic Games, which I don't follow, but there's enough of it in the news that you can't miss it, one of the Canadian hockey players made this comment about playing for the gold medal. She said, we obviously have a lot on the line, mostly pride. 
Well, I guess she gets an A for being honest. But trying to be the best takes the glory from God, gives it to man, and that's pride. Godly excellence is doing our best, not being the best. And when we give God our all and serve him heartily and give him the glory, then he can use us in an excellent way. Last point, excellence in shoe leather. And this is just a little list. You can go on with it. Work at your job for the Lord. Hold your garden for the Lord. Eat and drink for the Lord. Chair the board meeting for the Lord. Plow your fields for the Lord. Read to your children for the Lord. Clean school for the Lord. Teach Sunday school for the Lord. Be a homemaker for the Lord. Live for the Lord.